Heavenly Father, God, we just uh, come before you this morning and pray for the, just the impact of your scripture, the impact of the words that I honestly believe you spoke through, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, that Linda shared, and just allow all of those things to meet us in different ways, in the ways that would be the most impactful to each one of us, and that would lead us and encourage us to a life that, you know, as we describe, you know, is described as worthy of the gospel. I'm a life that Paul sought to emulate. I'm a life that I know each one of us really seek to um, exhibit and use as reference for the changing of lives and the changing of communities. Lord, as we just go through your text, as we sort of reflect, and as I seek to at least bring some sort of thought to the table, I just uh, dedicate this time to you and seek once again, just your spirit to meet us in this moment and meet us in this place wherever we are, uh, whenever we're watching this. And just use, you know, your imperfect people to just show your perfect power and your perfect love and your perfect grace. Amen. Well, good morning as well uh, from me. We, we have a habit of saying good morning a lot, and we mean it a lot, so that's kind of part of it. So if you think, oh man, another person's welcoming, welcoming me, we, we, we really mean it. And I think if all, what is it, one, two, three, four, five of us could say welcome and we're happy you're here, we would. Um, we're really thankful for the people who are um, sharing these welcome messages like Hannah, that um, if you missed it, she started the service, you can check that out um, after this is done later um, and we repost it. But uh, we've had just different people from the community sharing a welcome message and really kind of in an awesome way, welcoming us from wherever they're at. You know, if it's geographically, like Hannah's in Georgia, or, you know, where they're at in their, their faith journey, where they're at in their St. James journey. You know, some people are newer, some people have been here forever. And it's just, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, just an awesome way to really exhibit what the church is, even if we're not all physically um, in this place. So once again, welcome, and uh, if you haven't done a video or are thinking, ah, you know, do they even care what I think? We do, and, you know, we'd love for you to um, really email us and reach out, and we, like, it makes us so happy every time we see someone else um, welcome the service that we haven't seen in now five months, more possibly, and, uh, you know, it's just, again, just one of those small things that has such a big impact, and, and more than we realize, I think. Um, so anyway, as I began sort of re reflecting on this text and this whole journey, um, someone said something to me, and people say this to me a lot, and if you believe this, it's okay, I'm not saying it's not true, um, but they said, James, you are, you are just so relaxed, and you are so chill, and you, you know, you, you just go with the flow, and your, your temperament is just like, just so smooth, and, you know, and I'm always, you know, and I, I strive to have that type of temperament, and I strive to be that person, and I think having that sort of flexibility and love and support is what we should do, but in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, like, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, you don't know about this, and you don't, you know, you don't know about that, and so, you know, as I was sort of, sometimes I have to go before God and kind of confess, like, what, am I lying <laughs> when I come off like this, and, uh, you know, I had this moment, and it was just, you know, one of those human moments where you're like, you know, there are things that drive us all crazy. You know, there are things that's different for each person that just set us off sometimes and, and, and frustrate us and, you know, pull us out from that calm and that peace. 
and honestly can cause us to be annoyed or um, angry uh, to judge other people and really to step out of, you know, that chill and that, that calm and that um, just place that I think as we do centering prayer, as we, you know, have all of these intentional, like, contemplative moments that we really seek to be. Um, because when we're at that place, we're so much more perceptive to the Spirit and, where, and, and, and the God who's right in front of us. But, you know, we have these moments that just unfortunately kind of, you know, yank us out of that. And uh, I have found, though, you know, in a way that God just uses whatever junk I have in my life to somehow, like, glorify him, um, these moments always begin this introspective journey um, you know, I don't know the condition of the people whose hearts who are saying things or doing things. I don't know anything about that. But I'm aware of my own. And so when I have an issue, all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, no, here we go. Because now God's going to lead me in some journey that I learn more about myself. Um, I learn more about God. I learn more about the world um, that we're living in. And, you know, I get closer to, you know, being that really effective person who can, in a sense, really reflect um, Christ to our church, to our community, to our nation, and, and all of those things. And it's kind of like a, a theme because it's funny, Mark had no idea what I'm preaching on. We have this awesome culture here at St. James that the music and the message and the, the graphic have to, are, are very like disjointed sometimes. And so Mark will send an email, a text saying, hey, what do you think about this? And normally it's like nail on the head and, you know, it's like, Ripples, yeah, I didn't even think about that example, but that's perfect because, you know, there is that effect um, of the gospel. But anyway, long story short, these journeys have a way of really bringing wisdom and, and bringing us, in a sense, to be more the people God created us to be versus the beginning of the journey where we were struggling and, and, and judging and, and, and doubting and all of this stuff. And these are very related now. This season that we're in and, you know, being, you know, a, a church and wanting to, you know, actually encourage and, and not just shut our doors for the next year, you know, we've been spending a lot of time on social media and we've been, you know, seeking to use social media better, you know, as, as, a, as kind of this medium to do ministry and to post sermons or messages and graphics and create communities and, and all of this stuff. And so I've been reading, responding, and looking for better ways to share our ministry. And this might be surprising, but in that social media exploration, I discovered one of those things that I found to be a bit annoying, um, a bit frustrating, and in turn, it began one of those journeys. And this journey is not just during the writing of this sermon. This journey is like, you know, probably longer than it should have been because some of us are really dense and we don't get the message right away. Um, but... You know, as I'm scrolling through Instagram and, you know, or whatever, in the midst of all of these vacation photos, these pictures of, you know, big, nice houses, that kind of like picturesque family shot um, that people like to post, the nice cars and all this other really cool stuff and, you know, really exciting things f for the poster, obviously. There was this hashtag that, that I saw, and again, I confess that reaction was not correct. So don't think I'm saying this is wrong or anything, but I saw it, and the hashtag was hashtag blessed. So, and it, you can, I'm not making this up. You can, not, don't do it now. After the sermon, you can search this thing, and you can begin your own journey if you want, but I'm just warning you, God's going to take you somewhere if you, uh, if you have the reaction that I did. And it wasn't so much the, the word or the sentiment 
you know, of these things being blessings, um, because I'd consider many of these things to be a blessing. Um, it was just something else. It was something, you know, that I've now found to be this feeling of lack of depth, maybe, to a word that I attributed a lot of depth to, um, maybe a feeling of incompleteness. And like I said, I do admit that I knew nothing of the story behind any of it, and certainly, you know, don't pretend to know the condition, you know, of anyone's heart who was posting these things. But it more so took that moment as a sort of challenge um, for myself, because I'm trying to be more out there, and I'm trying to bring the church more out there, and asking myself what images, you know, or reflections of my life am I pushing out there and allowing um, to be seen? And that really gets us to, you know, the beginning point of this all with this scripture. Um, and we've been doing this sermon on Paul and Paul's writings, and you can look, I think, for the last two weeks, um, James talked about a different writing of Paul. And so it's one of those loose series, but kind of comes together at the, the author, which is Paul and, and his life. And so, you know, if you haven't checked those out, I encourage you to, to check those out. But I really enjoy Paul. Paul is controversial beyond belief. If there's anyone in the Bible that's more controversial, I guess I'd be surprised. But Paul is, you read one book, you're like, yes, Paul. You read another book, you're like, Paul, come on. You've cursed us to an eternity of theological debate because you didn't specify something in this thing. Anyway, but Paul, by his own admission, was, a, was not a perfect man. Uh, he didn't do perfect things all his life. And in fact, a large portion of his life, he did things um, that, in his own words, granted him the term the chief of sinners, you know, the, the highest um, of all sinners. Yet despite this, his life and writings impacted and continue to impact the lives of countless people, showing them a God who was not so separate from them or only accessible sometimes um, because of the law, but present and right beside them always because of love. So today we're beginning um, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 21 through 30. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Conceived of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that is in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you and that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything or by any opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. And we're not going to dive deep into every possible facet of this because there's a lot there. Um, 
but just kind of looking at it from sort of a high level before we hit the, the main sort of crux of this, there's so many relatable things in, in the text. And I think as we sort of kick into this worthy of the gospel concept, you know, Paul has a lot of, you know, what at least I interpret as these experiences and struggles with his life even trying to exemplify this and, and the depth between it. You know, the beginning reflection, he goes into this really honest moment where he says, I'm, I'm pretty tired of doing all this. You know, Paul has done so much by this point and he is, he's weighing, is it better to be with Christ, you know, and to move on? or to stay really here for the people and, and being there for their ministry and to encourage them. And he says, honestly, I'm tempted because to be with Christ would be better. But then later on he says, but I know what I need to do is actually remain steadfast here and continue in my ministry and continue, in a sense, serving these churches, other churches, other people, and, and, and just a real sort of sacrificial moment of, I mean, and I, again, this is interpretation, but a guy saying, it's been so long, I'm so tired, I've struggled so much, I know when I am in the presence of my God and, and with Jesus again, it's going to be so great, so peaceful, you know, so glorious, and that's attractive to me. But I realize God is saying, it's not that time yet. There's so much more you need to do and so much more lives you need to impact. Um, and so I'm going to stay and, and keep going. Paul could have skipped that whole section and not been honest and just said, hey, it's Paul. I'm here to encourage you. Listen to this text. But he sets the stage a bit differently. And so what, like I said, what stood out is this phrase, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So whether I come and see you or whether I remain absent, whether Paul's there or whether he's not, doesn't matter, I should hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind by contending side by side for the faith of the gospel and not being intimidated in any way by your opponents. So Paul's admitting it's not easy. I mean, Linda's reading from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and that sentiment, like, again, we don't talk, just nail on the head, you know, moments like... I'm telling you, I'm not trying to sell you a faith that is easy or a faith that in this world you will be guaranteed blessings, earthly blessings at least. I'm telling you, just like Christ suffered, I suffer. Just like I suffer, you will suffer. And so this idea of standing firm has that much more power. And the people that Paul was writing to, uh, the people in this Philippian church, doing some high-level research. I don't do a lot, but when I do it, God is like, boom, look at that. That's important. The people in the Philippian church were somewhat, I think, similar to people in Northern Virginia. Uh, they were in this city that was actually made a Roman colony and given all of these rights and, and preferential treatment, you know, compared to other cities in the area. And so they had influence. Um, they were, you know, in a city that was very close to or influencing the seat of power, but not living in the seat of power itself. And so that's like a, a certain kind of person or people group that develops in those areas. So many of the people were people of power or people who interacted with or influenced people of power. And with that comes a number of different things. Um, things like wealth, things like privilege, things like position. Also people who have none of those things. 
And so you have this, this sort of inequality, but also this temptation of pride um, from the people who have. And as I think anyone who is here geographically with us, um, it's not easy living in a place that has worldly power. Being a person who has worldly power and influence can not only be impacted by pride, but also the fear of, of missing out, uh, fears about image, self-image, or standing, uh, fears of comparison. A very you know, wise poet said the phrase, mo money, mo problems. And I think that fits really, I mean, it's timeless, and it, and it fits, you know, the more that you have sometimes, the more that you're consumed with having more and consumed with keeping it. And so I guess I'm just trying to set, set the picture that not all of these people receiving this letter were going to be people who were, you know, impoverished or people who were not part of this, this Roman system. Some of them had influence, some of them had power, some of them had wealth. And so if we sort of... Think about that comparison and that standing and that, that meaning from, from a lot of these other things. We have this sort of phrase in today's context, you know, if you don't document it or if you don't get a picture or you don't get a video, you know, of whatever it is in your life, it doesn't count. You don't post it, you know, it doesn't count. And Paul had a special place in his heart for these people uh, because, you know, again, the more you learn about Paul, the more you see that he really related to people like that. The diversity of, of the disciples that, that Jesus empowered you know, was very much on purpose. Uh, Paul wasn't a fisherman. Um, Paul was a Pharisee. He was an academic, and he was not only a religious leader, but a leader in the community. He had plenty of reasons to be proud of his life for his accomplishments. His influence, his nice clothes, his titles, his powerful friends, you name it. Things that would certainly merit that blessing hashtag. I sort of muse a little bit, you know, about Paul's Instagram account. And, you know, it says something like, just checked into the five-star Jerusalem Westin Hotel for the Biblical Interpretation Conference. Hashtag Pharisee life. Hashtag serving God. Hashtag blessing. It's funny because, you know, it's kind of hits home for some of us. And but worth noting, after encountering Jesus and having his conversion and dedicating his life to preaching the gospel, he doesn't actually stop mentioning any of these accomplishments. But what he does, though, is tell the whole story. The accomplishments and extraordinary adventures he shares that are that much more extraordinary because of the journey that led to that moment. The struggles, the difficulties, the failures, the successes, all of it leading to the moment as he writes this letter or, you know, writing this post. So then really, what is a life worthy of the gospel? You know, looking at Paul's life and, and spending time reflecting on this statement, you know, one way I, I feel it can be summed up is this. A life worthy of the gospel is a life that depicts the gospel. A life that reflects the glory of the creator, the love of the creator, the sacrifice of the creator, and the grace of the creator. I'm just going to read that again because if you take anything from this, I hope it's this. A life worthy of the gospel is a life that depicts the gospel. A life that reflects the glory of the creator, the love of the creator, the sacrifice of the creator, 
and the grace of the Creator. The gospel is a story of the desperate need for Jesus, a loving God we can't quantify or fully understand, and that God's answer and resurrection to each one of us, undeserved, and an opportunity to use that overall experience and smaller experiences which echo these moments of our lives to connect, to encourage, and to create community. The way Paul describes it is striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. And this certainly is not easy. As we seek not only to depict that gospel in our lives, our words, our social media posts, it's definitely way more comfortable to just tell people the good stuff. The end. You know, we want them to know that we are good, successful people. Maybe they won't listen uh, to us, or maybe they'll see us in a different light if they knew our struggles, if they knew our pasts. And what Paul and what I probably would say is, you're right. They might not. But I challenge you to consider if someone knew the whole story, not only the end with the nice house or the successful business or the successful ministry, if they knew the human being, imperfect, who struggled, who made bad decisions, and logically speaking, should not be sitting where you're sitting right now. If they knew that whole story, they might think differently about you. Or maybe they wouldn't. But they certainly would think differently about God. Paul also wrote, Because he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to read that again. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. A life depicting the gospel I see as one of those sort of like before and after images, maybe more in between. Um, like when someone has, you know, lost a lot of weight or recovered from some serious illness and some other, maybe some other huge transformation took place. You know, it took work. It took commitment. Uh, it took faith in a lot of cases. And you see this one image where they were at and then another image about where they are. And the power of that, that statement isn't the end image itself. It's the difference that's found in the two, in the transformation. And without the before, we can't fully actually understand or see the value, the real value of the after. Uh, this, this weekend, I, uh, you know, I, as I said, I'm living on social media these days or something, and I... You know, and I, got, I saw the news and I saw the post about uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she was a Supreme Court justice who, who passed away. And as I sort of thought about it and, you know, sort of just reflected, you know, on, on who she was, her life undoubtedly had an incredible last phase. She was literally a Supreme Court justice. But even more incredible was her journey. You know, a journey that can encourage, that can challenge us, and that can empower us. 
So the headline might have said, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But as I, I read more, it really was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a Supreme Court Justice whose father was an immigrant, who lost her older sister at age six, whose mother died before she graduated high school, who was rejected professionally and not taken seriously because she was a woman who was demoted when she had a child who fought for gender equality representing both men and women, who battled cancer for over 20 years. All this while she both directly and indirectly shaped the laws and their interpretation in our country. I mention all this to say there is a difference between saying that whole statement and more, or merely that she was a Supreme Court Justice. The power and the impact of the story is in the details. It's in the journey. It's not bad to be hashtag blessed or share accomplishments or good things that happen to us. It's not bad to post new cars or new jobs or family photos. It's not bad to share our gifts. And you know, if we're good at music, if we're good at writing, if we're good, it's not bad to share all of that stuff. But a life that depicts the gospel a life Paul is encouraging the Philippians and us to live is one that not only shares all of those things, but shares the full story. Shares the struggle with the success, the hurt with the joy, the imperfections and inadequacies to highlight God's power and impact in our lives. All this to lead others to that relationship when they are feeling inadequate. Ever since someone told me this, it, 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 it always happens to me. They said, you know, whatever you struggled with, whatever past you had to overcome, whatever issues you had and, and that you were able to work through and, and God was able to heal you of, or however you want to say it, those are the type of people you will find yourself interacting with that need your experience um, to encourage them. The outcome might not be the same, but just having someone who understands is, is huge and impactful. And I do not like being honest about bad stuff. I love everything to work out good and everything to be nice and like singing the right notes even though I don't, you know, and all that stuff. But, but, it's, but it's, super, it's super encouraging. And, you know, personally, I'm, I'm on this very long journey about getting better with, with music as an example and, and things like that. And, you know, I heard this, I, well... I met him, I lived with his best friend, and you know, there was this guy who was the lead singer of a band um, that was pretty well known, I guess, and uh, he was talking and, and he basically you know, said, before all of this success and before all of this fame, I've, I literally tried to lead worship in a church and they told me I wasn't good enough. You know, they told me I didn't have the scale, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I, I really, this is not my gifting and I would never do it. And so the journey that took place from that moment to literally being a famous like, musician and singer-songwriter had so much power for me. You know, there's other things that I've been through that people come to me and say, oh, you know, my brother had this issue or I have this issue. And I'm like, oh, all right, God, fine, I'll be honest and share what's going on in my life. And so I just encourage you as there is the temptation to just share the after, to just share the good, to just share the... Um, the end result, see the, the power of a life that actually depicts the gospel and shares the journey. 
And you don't need to share your life story with every person every time. But seek to share how the gospel is at work and the ripple, like the image, of encouragement, empowerment, and impact the journey between the before and the present has in our homes, our churches, our communities, our cities, our states, our nation, and our world. We look at people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Dr. Martin Luther King and Paul, even, and just this impact that just keeps, you know, really encouraging us and strengthening us. And it wasn't just because she was a Supreme Court justice, or it wasn't just because, you know, Martin Luther King said this one speech that was really awesome. It was the journey. It was the being in jail. It was the battling cancer. It was the struggle that just really can change the world. So as you go, I just encourage you to, you know, as you share posts or as you share things or as you really represent yourself to others, to really seek to depict that life that not only is worthy of the gospel, but that really is living the gospel and reflecting the gospel.